Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay. Unless you're really good at it. Hello, and welcome to the Scofflaws, a history of law and disorder. My name is Sean, and joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Kate. Say hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. So, Kate, I, I want to thank you for this lovely gift you've given me oh. in, today's, uh, in today's topic. What did I do? Um, you have given me an excuse to go scour the annals of the internet to make myself a Bart Simpson soundboard to drop in to every piece of this episode. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. That wasn't my intention, I promise. <laughs> this was your idea, by the way. You put this on our episode sheet. <laughs> oh, this is one of the ones I, I tossed on there? Yes, it is. Alright, well I think we've been uh, I think we've been teasing them uh, long enough here. Wanna tell them what we're talking about today? We are talking about the Wild West Outlaw Black Bart. Not to be confused with Black Bart of Golden Age of Piracy fame. That was Bartholomew something. We'll talk about him in a different episode when we talk about Robert Louis Stevenson Stevenson and um, popular pirates throughout uh, pop culture and stuff. Well, all right, let's uh, let's get into Black Bart. So, uh, Charles E. Bowles was born in 1829 in New York. He was a pretty average young man, as everyone did in 1849. He moved to California for the gold rush with his cousin and his brother. Well, his brother joined later. And then... So, yes. so Black Bart's name is Charles? Charles Bowles. Okay, I mean, I guess if, if Dick can be Richard... Uh, <laughs> Bart can be Charles. You will get to why he's called Bart later. Um, but after he moved back from California to New York after the gold rush, um, he married his wife, Mary Elizabeth Johnson, and they settled in Decatur, Illinois, right in our neck of the woods. Oh, yeah, that's that's not too terribly far. No, it's only like an hour. But in, then in 1862, he joined the Union Army during the Civil War, and after much fighting and some injury, he was honorably discharged in 1865. So he sounds like a pretty stand-up guy so far. Yeah, sounds like your, your average, like, trying to make it his, uh, his own way in the world kind of guy. So, Black Bart's spirit was far too adventurous to be stuck farming in central Illinois because that just sounds like hell even today. Um, <laughs> so he moved, uh, he moved out West to prospect for gold in Idaho and Montana. I'm currently playing through Stardew Valley. That would make it a very interesting game about halfway through. You could say, you know what? Screw this farm. Let's go pan for gold. 
I wish that was an option in Stardew Valley. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he moved out west and he was out there for a while. And then he stopped writing his wife. Um, There is a very vague letter that said there was an incident involving a Wells Fargo stagecoach. And he promised to pay them back. After that, he stopped writing to his wife. His wife assumed he was dead after this in 1871. Mom, Dad, Mike's dead! <gasps> that's right, dead serious about going to Itchy and Scratchy Land! <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, that's a fun assumption to make. Imagine being Mrs. Bowles, living in central Illinois, never hearing from her husband again, but, like, you don't have official confirmation that he's dead, so you can't marry somebody else, you can't date... You're stuck on this farm by yourself. You gotta hire some people. Like that it's a really shitty move that he did there. You just stuck spending your day out in the widow's walk day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Even though those didn't really exist in the Midwest, but the idea is there. <laughs> uh, I can still have them. <laughs> uh for those of you who don't know, a widow's walk is a uh balcony that women would walk it's generally on the second or third floor um and they would walk it in for coastal towns uh waiting for their beloved to return or not return from sea hence widow's walk um often if men were lost at sea the women would wait out there every night for the rest of their lives is how the legend is told um though they were more common in like cape cod and the pacific northwest yeah, I think if you go there, you can still see, like, houses that have them, like, installed. Yeah, for sure. And they they actually became a common trend in the Midwest after, like, you know, every house had one in the East. It started migrating West. So houses did have them, but they weren't used as such. Fun fact about, the, about my house, the architect that designed it uh, got his, uh, cut his teeth uh, designing houses for, like, the Southwest. Okay. And it's because of that that the balcony that we have on our house has, like, zero drainage for when it rains, because that happens a lot here in the Midwest. Mm. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot architects, I tell you what. So, in 1875, um, Charles Bowles pops back on the historical record And he robs his first stagecoach. Um, He is notorious, just like Claude Duval, for being ridiculously polite. So this is his first, um, his first robbery. And all of his subsequent robberies, he only um, only robs stagecoaches for Western Union. He doesn't touch a passenger. He doesn't even ask passengers for money. He only steals from the safe box that is under the seat of every stagecoach. I mean, I guess that makes sense, considering, you know, your average passenger may, um, like, this is this is just after the Civil War, so I would say probably less than a dollar on their person. Sort of. Um, it depends. All manners of people, or all manner of people were riding in stagecoaches, but it was generally the more wealthy, because wealthy they could afford it. If you were poor, you would just take a wagon or something, or not go. Um, and stagecoaches were actually safer than the railroad at this time because the railroad was always getting robbed. We'll do an episode on railroad robberies out in the West. Who you did not want to be on a train between 1868 and like 1900. It was just 
out west, oh, who's bad? Unless you've installed it with a flux capacitor. Exactly. Um, hey, you got one this time. <laughs> um, so after a while, like he didn't, no one really asked his name, um, but he actually he came up with the name Black Bart because he read it in a dime novel, one of the thriller, like cheap novels that you would buy at a drugstore or something and um, read for guilty pleasure. That's where he got the name Black Bart. Um, So that's what he started calling himself. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. It's one of the weird little tidbits about him. That, that'd be like if I decided to go rob Banks today, and I named myself after a character on Soap. That's an anime, isn't it? Uh, no, that's actually a uh, a comedy soap opera from, like, the 70s. Okay. You're, you're thinking of Bleach, which <laughs> uh, I don't really care for, and I won't really get into it, because that's not what, the, what we do on this podcast. But, yeah, no, be, like, going to rob a bank and name myself after, like, a Days of Our Lives character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's a very fair comparison. So, in total, um, Black Bart robbed 29 stagecoaches. Hi, caramba! Um, all Western, or, excuse me, all uh, Wells Fargo. And Damn. Yeah. And the way he would actually rob them is he would stand in the middle of the road and he would wear a linen duster, which is just a long coat, um, a really light long coat. And then he would put a flower sack with eyes cut out over his head and put his hat on top of the flower sack. Not creepy. Not creepy at all. Not No, not creepy at all. You know, all white guy with a hat and he never, he carried an unloaded pistol. He never actually fired at anybody. He wanted to, like, minimize anything if he got caught, like, that he wouldn't be charged with manslaughter or something. Oh, that's, that's smart. Yeah, he was, he's one of the strangest outlaws I've ever researched. Very interesting. Sometimes, or two times that we know of, he left poetry behind, as well as, you know, maybe his name. Um, and the most popular one that he um, left behind was, I've labored long and hard for bread. For honor and for riches, but on my corns too long you've tread, you fine-haired sons of bitches. I had a cat named Snowball. She died. She died. Mom said she was sleeping. She lied. She lied. Why oh why is my cat dead? Couldn't that Chrysler hit me instead? I wonder why the wet bandits never considered that calling card. <laughs> so, actually, a lot of historians who look at him now think that he was so anti he was anti-establishment um or anti-corporation uh, because he never attacked a common person he only attacked the corporation in general and that poem that he left is actually like thought to be geared towards robber barons which were starting to come around at the time um for those of you who don't know and i'm going to add this to our list of episodes to do at some point robber barons are very wealthy people who start a business and, like, pocket all the money. So Rockefeller was a robber baron, Henry Ford. All these people that you think are great for capitalism actually were robber barons and treated their employees pretty badly until they reformed and started the labor labor movements and stuff like that. It's a completely huge, long history, um, but robber barons are generally... They don't actually, like, rob people. They just take their money through wages and stuff. 
Yeah, I think uh, think Scrooge McDuck without the tougher than the toughies or smarter than the smarties bit. Yeah, that. Um, so they were the late 1800s, early 1900s, the, what people call the rise of capitalism in the United States, where it kind of takes off more, is um, where robber barons flourished the most. Um, so he was like fundamentally against them. His last robbery he committed in 1893. So he only was active for like seven years. Uh, that seems to be the the trend for like career criminals that we've been looking at is that it's it's not a a long career but it's a glorious career. Yeah, it's just like pirates where they they only their mortality rate was like three years after they became a pirate. Which, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen back to our ASEN podcast about the golden age of piracy and you'll learn more about that topic. What are we looking for anyway? Pirate booty. What else? But his um. His career didn't end with his life. It just ended. Um, so it ended at the site of the first place that he ever robbed a stagecoach, which is really interesting. Um, poetic. It's, it is poetic, which is kind of how he lived his life. Uh, he was shot in the hand and forced to flee. The story is that he was trying to get... Um, he held up the stagecoach, which had no passenger on it um, at the moment, and was struggling to get the box out of the stagecoach because... Lester or Wells Fargo started nailing them down. Um, <laughs> so he was, or bolting them down. So he was struggling to get the stuff. And he, um, so he just kind of broke it open and grabbed the stuff. Um, and the passenger, the only passenger that was on it was actually like hunting um, in the area. Like the, the stagecoach driver let him off and said, Hey, I'll pick you up up there. Stagecoach driver went and found the, um, the hunter and the hunter um, came back and shot Black Bart in the hand. Black Bart then took off running um, and dropping his own personal effects as well as everything that he stole. And keep in mind, he has like a, a flower sack over his head, so you can't see his face. And so Western Union had their own detectives. It was actually common for major corporations to have them because everything was stolen so much. So the detectives for Western Union went to Black Bart's apartment or went to the apartment of Charles Bolton is the alias he was using for this apartment for seven years. Um, well, it was boarding, a room in a boarding house, but same difference. And he had been living as a mining engineer for um, these last seven years, which he had been, but he didn't have to leave San Francisco to do the job. He went, so he often went on quote unquote business trips. Well, those business trips were conveniently the same times as all the robberies that Wells Fargo was experiencing in this stretch of place. Plus, he had a mysterious, giant, gaping wound in his hand. Yeah, this actually, all the records don't mention the fact that, like, he had a huge, gaping wound in his hand, but, like... How does it not mention that? I mean... I don't know. Guns around that time weren't as... I mean, guns today aren't clean, because... Guns can be pretty horrible, but guns back then were terrible. Well, this is also a rifle, so the shot would be huge. Um, I think maybe he was wearing a glove or something, or wearing gloves or something. Because men wore gloves at the time. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm still waiting for capes to come back into vogue. <sighs> As am I. Excuse me. So, actually, the detectives checked with the mining company, and that, like, tore apart all of uh, Duval's alibi. and he later admitted to committing all robberies until 1879. 
I can only imagine him doing like the slow clap and like, you got me. Mm-hmm. Well, he, um, he only said that because he thought the statute of limitations was up, but it wasn't. I think it was like something like eight years, not five um, or four. So lucky for him and kind of surprising to the rest of us, he was only charged with the last robbery he ever committed. Out of 28 or 29 robberies, he was only charged for one. Like charged or like uh, found guilty of? Charged. He was only brought to trial for one oh, wow. robbery. Yeah. Um. So he, it, that, that's really strange to me, and I think it's actually fascinating. Um, he was sentenced to six years in the San Quentin prison. Wow, only six. Yeah, well, it was only one robbery, and it was his first offense. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you, I mean, if you look at, like, headlines regarding, like, people being found guilty and going to jail for, like, like, corporate cl- uh, crime, like, crime against, like, a business... Mm-hmm. It's so much steeper nowadays. Yeah, well, this this is like 130 years ago. Yeah, it's before before corporate claws sunk that far into the government. Yeah. Um. So he was charged with six years um, in the San Quentin prison, which is a really rough prison. When he went into prison, he was about fifty. Um, about fifty-three. 54. He's about 53, 54. And he was released after four years on good behavior. Um, he was described by reporters as having noticeably aged um, after four years in prison. As which, you do in the in San prison. Quentin. Well, in the San Quentin, nonetheless. So it's probably why he behaved so well. Uh, just on that topic, since it was four years, have you, have you seen those uh, image galleries of like presidents before and after a four-year term yes my favorite is the one of obama because there's such a huge difference i think it's the most noticeable yeah no his his hair went from black to a very very like 40 percent gray yeah it's and he's the one of the youngest presidents to have served so that's a thing um but as we digress um Reporters, when they asked if he was ever going to commit a crime again, he said, no, gentlemen, I'm through with crime. When they asked if he would write more poetry, um, he laughed and said, now, don't, now, didn't you just hear me say I'm through with crime? And then the credits come up on the screen and everything freeze frames and the uh, the closing theme starts playing. Black Bark was never heard from again. <laughs> da 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 Oh, that's, uh, that's one hell of a, that sounds like the end of a Columbo episode. I don't know what Columbo is. Wow, really? Um, okay, so it's it's one of those detective shows, but it's like, I, I would say it's probably like the equivalent that the 70s had to what we have with, like, Sherlock, in that it was a long-form detective show, uh, with this, okay, with this really good detective, um, his 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 the thing that he was famous for is he would like be doing his interview and then he'd be acting mm-hmm. like he was getting ready to leave and go one more thing one more thing mm-hmm. and he would basically just annoy the person into confessing <laughs> that's i like that a lot yeah it's it's a good um, one any hoodles 
do we have any last thoughts on this or anything else? I know we've been getting some really good responses all over the world and it's kind of blowing us away. Yeah, no, it's it's fun to uh, go to the, the analytics for the podcast and see, oh, look, there's someone, what the fuck, someone in Taiwan listening. Yeah, that blew me away. Um, also, shout out to whoever's listening to us in Sweden. I have a feeling that I know who it is, but I'm not sure, so I'm not going to say it. Um, but, like, major props shout out to those of us who are listening to us those of you who are listening to us um around the world we super appreciate it we never thought that we would make it that far we thought maybe like our coworkers would listen to us because we they got sick of us saying something um <laughs> but we went international our first week so we just have a heartfelt thank you to you guys um always request topics that you're super passionate about or you want to hear more about um we always take requests um and yeah yeah and uh if you're currently listening make sure to to keep listening because right now we're kicking around some ideas for like contests and promotions and uh keep an ear out you might get a chance to win something yeah um it helps when one of our co-hosts is married to an artist and is an artist himself (laughs) and creates really good work (laughs) so um keep that in mind and if we somehow figure out if we want to do another live show um this time like with an actual audience we'll let you know (laughs) um there are ideas that are being milled about right now so if if you don't know where to follow us we are on facebook that is where most of our activity is we also have a website scofflawspodcast.com if you want to reach out to us via email, it is scofflawspodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, we respond very quickly to any Facebook message um, or posting on the page. Yep. Uh, and by all means, if you have anything you want to say, please put uh, please message us on Facebook or write us an email. We love hearing from you guys. It really makes our days when it happens. For sure. And next week, because we are celebrating the 4th of July here in the United States, we will be talking about crimes related to the American Revolution. Nice. That that sounds like it's going to have some meat on it. Yeah, I'm hoping I can pare it down to one single episode. Alright, so uh, so for our, uh, for our dumb law to end the episode on, I was sitting on one that seemed kind of well seemed really silly but after you mentioned the the flower sack mask um i'm gonna go for uh, i'm gonna give everyone a twofer here the oh good the one i was originally sitting on was from new york uh citizens may not greet each other by and this part is in quotations putting one's thumb to the nose and wiggling the fingers end quote <laughs> That was the one that I, I prepared beforehand, but uh, further up on the page I'm looking, uh, there is one here, still New York. It is illegal to congregate in public with two or more people while each wearing a mask or any face covering, which disguises your identity. And what state is this from? New York. They're both from New York. They're both New York. Uh, that yeah. one actually has a like a reason behind it. Oh, what's the reason? Um, let's see here. Reading straight off the page. The law has existed since 1845, 
when tenant farmers, in response to a lowering of wheat prices, dressed up as, um, I'm going to say Native Americans, because that's not what it says on the page, and covered their faces with masks in order to attack the police anonymously. There are exceptions for masquerades and other entertainment events that are deemed appropriate by the city, such as Halloween. That's super interesting, and I kind of want to research more about that. Anyway, um, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for your loss, Sean. Yep, no problem. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back at you next week on uh, on the 4th of July, on Independence Day, if you're here in the U.S., so... Uh, hope you have a good one and uh, listen to us and then go watch some fireworks. So, um, yeah, thank you for joining us here at the Scofflaws. Say bye, Kate. Bye, Kate. I'll be a butterfly. How come? Because nobody ever suspects the butterfly. <laughs>